0: The highest court in the land has decided to take up what will be one of the biggest uh, civil rights cases that this court could ever hear.
1: I will be very happy when the question of marriage equality is off the table and we can get about doing our work without these kinds of distractions that I think have absolutely no merit.
2: Now, let me sign the Respect for Marriage Act into law.
3: A season Christmas.
4: We just want to live. Is that so much to ask?
0: To This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine, I'm Greg Gordon. Barbados overturns its sodomy laws, the U.S. evolves from defending marriage to respecting it, and there's more than one holiday on the Emma's Revolution menu. All that and more this week, now that you've discovered This Way Out.
4: I'm Melanie Keller.
5: And I'm David Hunt.
4: with News a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending December 17th, 2022. Same-gender sex is no longer a crime in Barbados. The Caribbean nation's highest court has overturned its antiquated British colonial-era laws. The justices concluded that the gross indecency and buggery provisions in Sections 9 and 12 of the Barbados Sexual Offense Act are unconstitutional. Penalties range from 10 years to life in prison. The oral decision lifting the ban on same-gender sex was issued this week. A formal written ruling is expected in early 2023. Kudos for challenging the laws on behalf of two local activists from the Barbados Queer Advocacy Group Equals and the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. Barbados is the third Caribbean nation to dump its laws, criminalizing private consensual adult same-gender sex in 2022. Courts struck down sodomy laws in St. Kitts and Nevis and in Antigua and Barbuda this year. UNAIDS Regional Director for Latin America and the Caribbean, Luisa Cabal, celebrated the win in Barbados, but she counts six Caribbean countries where same-gender sex is criminal. Dominica, Grenada, Guana, Jamaica, St. Lucia, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. According to the U.N. AIDS press release, anti-queer sex laws sustain stigma and discrimination against LGBTQ people and stop them from seeking and receiving health care for fear of being punished or detained. Decriminalization saves and changes lives and builds stronger societies.
5: There was heart-wrenching testimony about mushrooming anti-queer rhetoric and hate violence heard before the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform on December 14th. It was the 10th anniversary of the bloody massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut. Survivors of Colorado's Club Cube shooting described the horrors of the most recent assault on LGBTQ venues. Human Rights Campaign President Kelly Robinson laid much of the blame on Republican state lawmakers. She pointed to the torrent of anti-queer, anti-trans measures, many already approved. The debates have hinged on inflammatory language, such as accusing LGBTQ people, their allies, and even queer supportive health care providers of being child-molesting groomers. Protests at family-friendly drag shows have also been on the rise, sometimes with violence. In Robinson's words, the spike in anti-queer hate and violence is fueled by nearly unfettered access to guns and political extremism, and rhetoric that is deliberately devised to make our community less safe, less equal, and less free. Republican committee members denied any responsibility. They called the Democrats the party of crime. The queer advocacy group Equality Florida's Brandon Wolfe survived the Pulse nightclub shooting. His summary of the crisis was poignant.
4: You know, being LGBTQ in America in 2022 means looking over your shoulder before you hold hands with someone you love. It means watching your very humanity be litigated day in and day out on every cable news network and across every social media platform. It is high time that Congress gets serious about the cost of anti-LGBTQ hatred and commit to honoring those in its crosshairs with real actions. The simple truth is this. We just want to live. Is that so much to ask? A bill that would have banned transgender girls from competing in school sports died in the lower house of the Ohio State Legislature this week. Not because lawmakers there became enlightened. The state Senate had added an amendment shifting control of public schools to the governor rather than the state board of education. That was a poison pill to a majority in the General Assembly. Democratic Representative Phil Robinson argued, this is not the way to do education in the state of Ohio. Republican Governor Mike DeWine had said the issue was best addressed outside of government through individual sports leagues and athletic associations and refused to support the original anti-trans legislation. The current legislative session ends at the end of December. An anti-trans sport ban could be reintroduced next year.
5: Meanwhile, Connecticut's policy that allows transgender girls to compete in girls' high school sports has been upheld by a U.S. federal appeals court. A three-judge panel of the New York City-based Second Circuit Court of Appeals rejected a challenge by four cisgender runners who claimed that trans competitors had an unfair advantage. The judge's ruling, as cited by the Associated Press, said, on numerous occasions, plaintiffs were indeed champions, finishing first in various events, even sometimes when competing against transgender athletes. Plaintiffs simply have not been deprived of a chance to be champions.
4: Yeshiva University students seeking school recognition of their YU Pride Alliance have won their case in a New York State Appeals Court. The four-judge panel unanimously ruled late this week that the Orthodox Jewish-run university was not a strictly religious institution that would make it exempt from the New York City human rights law. According to The Advocate, the panel also decided that requiring Yeshiva University to recognize the YU Pride Alliance would not violate the school's First Amendment religious rights. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected a motion for emergency relief in September that asked it to take up the case. By a slim 5-4 to four majority, the justices said that the case needed to first wind its way up the state judicial ladder. Far-right Justice Samuel Alito was the loudest voice in the minority. He wrote, The First Amendment guarantees the right to the free exercise of religion, and if that provision means anything, it prohibits a state from enforcing its own preferred interpretation of the Holy Scripture. To Yeshiva University officials, that Supreme Court loss was a victory of sorts. President Rabbi Ari Berman was quoted by the Times of Israel at the time saying that the High Court had laid out the roadmap for us to find expedited relief, and we will follow their instructions. The four-justice minority asserted that Yeshiva is likely to win its case if it comes before the court again. Yeshiva is likely to ask them to do just that.
5: The plaintiffs in a recently failed Tokyo court challenge to Japan's ban on marriage equality are appealing the ruling, this according to the Kyoto News Service. The seven lesbian and gay couples have been filing similar lawsuits in Sapporo, Osaka, Nagoya, and Fukuoka since 2019. One of the original eight couples has withdrawn. The Sapporo District Court ruled in March last year that denying civil marriage to same-gender couples violates Japan's constitution. Their Osaka counterparts upheld the ban two months later. District courts in Nagoya and Fukuoka are expected to deliver their rulings in May and June next year. Activists must use increasing levels of the judiciary to fight for their marital rights because Japan's conservative government has resolutely opposed any efforts to enact marriage equality at the federal level.
4: WNBA basketball all-star Brittany Griner is home for the holidays with her wife, Sherelle. She spent eight days of medical exams and reintegration treatment at an army base in San Antonio, Texas, following her release from a Russian prison. Griner had been serving a nine-year sentence on trumped-up drug smuggling charges. In her first public comments since her return, Griner wrote on Instagram, It feels so good to be home. The last 10 months have been a battle at every turn. I dug deep to keep my faith, and it was the love from so many of you that helped keep me going. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone for your help. That includes her WNBA Phoenix Mercury teammates. Griner intends to compete with them again when the league season begins next May. She also thanked the medical staff at Fort Sam Houston Base in San Antonio, saying that I appreciate the time and care to make sure I was okay and equipped with the tools for this
5: new journey. Finally, Abigail Kinoiki Keikalika Kawananakoa was known as Hawaii's last princess because of her ties to the original ruling royal family. Princess Abigail was said to be worth more than $215 million, and much of her wealth went to underwriting groups that support traditional Hawaiian culture. She died peacefully at her home in Honolulu on December 11th, at the age of 96. Her wife, Veronica Gale Kawananakoa, said... Abigail will be remembered for her love of Hawaii and its people. I will miss her with all my heart.
4: That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending December 17th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
5: News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer and brought to you by you.
4: Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy.
5: And I'm David Hunt. Stay safe. Our listeners
1: support This Way Out in many ways.
0: By subscribing to our e-newsletter.
1: Email us at info at thiswayout.org and through your financial contributions to our program. As 2022 comes to an end, please help make This Way Out's holidays happier.
2: More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org.
6: Thank you.
3: While the baby Jesus rocks in the cradle, have yourself a ball, spin the dreidel.
0: An alternative venue later in the program. The marriage equality decade in the U.S. has come full circle from the 2012 Supreme Court hearings on California's Proposition 8 and the Federal Defense of Marriage Act to the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act this month. Let's flash back to when President Joe Biden was the prematurely pro-equality vice president and current VP Kamala Harris, was california's ally attorney general back to december 6 2012 with this report from pacifica radio's california evening news anchored by mark marigold and rose katapsi
7: the united states supreme court could issue its ruling on same-sex marriage in the next six months the high court announced today it will hear a pair of cases on the issue including a California case challenging the state's Proposition 8 ban on gay marriage and a New York case challenging the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. Christopher Martinez reports. Supporters of same-sex marriage have been on a winning streak lately, both in federal courts and at the polls, most recently with voter-approved laws allowing same-sex marriage in Maine, Maryland, and Washington. Now the issue is going to the nation's highest court, with the announcement the Supreme Court will hear a pair of same-sex marriage cases.
0: This is a very significant day, obviously.
7: Kamala Harris is California Attorney General.
0: The highest court in the land has decided to take up what will be one of the biggest uh, civil rights cases that this court could ever hear.
7: She's talking about California's Proposition 8 case, Hollingsworth v. Perry. That case comes from a federal appeals court that ruled California's Prop 8 ban on gay marriage is unconstitutional. Many supporters of same-sex marriage had hoped the Supreme Court would decide not to take the case, leaving the appeals court ruling in place to overturn the ban. But plaintiff Chris Perry says she's happy the Supreme Court took the case and confident the court will do the right thing.
6: As much as Sandy and I want to be married, We we wanted to be plaintiffs in this case because we want everyone in California to be able to get married or, frankly, everybody in the United States who finds themselves in this situation. So we've learned how to be really patient and understanding of this process. And what we we ultimately wanted was the, the very biggest and broadest, boldest outcome possible. And that can only happen if the Supreme Court listens to the case, and of course rules like the Ninth Circuit did and like the district judge did.
7: Another case involves the challenge of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, a law that denies federal recognition of same-sex marriages. That means same-sex couples that marry in the states where it is legal are denied federal protections and benefits that are enjoyed by opposite-sex married couples. On the State Capitol Beat, I'm Christopher Martinez. Reaction to the Supreme Court granting review of the Proposition 8 case has been mixed throughout California. Many members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and questioning communities are looking forward to a final answer on the issue. Although they're also nervous about a possible legal defeat. Pacifica's Dan Fritz files this report from Los Angeles.
6: Outside the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, reaction to the Supreme Court action today has varied, mostly between happiness and nervousness.
7: Think about other people. You know, They should be able to say yes or no, just because you don't think it's good for you or whatever.
1: I think it's excellent for the LGBT community.
6: You're not afraid that the Supreme Court might rule against the LGBT community?
1: No, because I think with the re-election of Obama, that we've went ahead and um, stepped in the right direction as far as us is concerned.
6: Some advocates have expressed surprise over the Supreme Court granting review to the Prop 8 case. Daryl Cummings is chief of staff of the L.A. Gay and Lesbian Center. He expected the Federal Defense of Marriage Act cases would be sorted out by the court first. He knows what's at stake. The court could end the question for good by declaring Prop 8 and similar gay marriage bans unconstitutional. And as an executive of one of the largest support organizations for LGBT individuals, Cummings says he's looking forward to the end of the fight against Prop 8, taking funds and attention from those who need it as a matter of survival
1: that is the bulk of the work that we do here at the center, taking care of people uh, who have been largely shunned by society or harmed by society in some particular way. Um, I will be very happy when the question of marriage equality is off the table and we can get about doing our work without these kinds of distractions that I think have absolutely no merit in law whatsoever. But but it's also important for everybody to understand that the argument around merit is related to young people being kicked out of their homes because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. When you hear preachers from north carolina on the national in the national spotlight talking about quarantining uh... gay and lesbian people um, th- that certainly has an impact not only on young people hearing those messages but especially on their parents on their teachers and all the adults that are around them that are supposed to be there to take care of them not to harm them
6: cummings and many gay rights advocates are nervous they know that the court could issue a decision that would set their quest for equality back and they're frustrated Frustrated with the waiting, frustrated with the system, and frustrated with the long-drawn-out fight. Dan Fritz, Pacifica Radio, KPFK, Los Angeles.
0: Here's what's happened since that December 2012 report from Pacifica Radio's California Evening News. In June of 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court sent California's Proposition 8 back to the state. Its proponents lost their case in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and same-gender marriages were allowed to continue. The following day, the High Court struck down the section of the Defense of Marriage Act that prohibited the federal government from recognizing married same-gender couples. Three years later, the Supreme Court's Obergefell decision made marriage equality the law of the land. Or did it?
3: Love you,
0: Ten years after the Supreme Court first took up the case against the Defense of Marriage Act, a loose end remained. Today's top court has been putting civil rights at the bottom, leading to concerns that parts of Doma still on the books could still jeopardize marriage equality. Domer was finally eliminated on December 13th, when President Joe Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act, with Vice President Kamala Harris at his side. Thousands gathered at the South Lawn of the White House to cheer him on.
2: Today's a good day, a day America takes a vital step toward equality, toward liberty and justice, not just for some, but for everyone, everyone. And as I've said before, and some of you might remember, on a certain TV show 10 years ago, (laughs) I got in trouble. (laughs) Marriage, I mean this about my heart, marriage is a simple proposition. Who do you love? And will you be loyal to that person you love? It's not more complicated than that the law recognizes that everyone should have the right to answer those questions for themselves without the government interference racism anti-semitism homophobia transphobia they're all connected but the antidote to hate is love this law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms and that's why This law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. This shouldn't be about conservative or liberal, red or blue. No, this is about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence, a promise rooted in a sacred and secular beliefs, a promise that we're all created equal. We're all entitled to what Abraham Lincoln called an open field and a fair chance. You know, there's nothing more decent more dignified, more American, that we're about what we're doing here today. It's about who we are as a nation. It's about the substance of our laws. It's about being true to the best of the soul of America. Decency, dignity, love. My fellow Americans, that all-consuming, life-altering, love and commitment, that's marriage. Thank you to everyone on the hard-fought victory generations in the making. It's been a long road, but we got it done. We're going to continue the work ahead, I promise you. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong, wrong. And that's why the people you heard speak today continue to fight the past, The Equality Act. When hospitals, libraries, and community centers are threatened and intimidated, excuse me, because they support LGBTQ children and families, we have to speak out. We must stop the hate and violence. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. And now, let me sign the Respect for Marriage Act into law. Here
3: we go. All right!
1: Hello, I'm Armistead Maupin, author of Tales of the City. And you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio news magazine produced by, about, and for our sexually diverse communities and those who love them.
0: The lesbian activist singing duo Emma's Revolution builds coalitions. And that's what they've done with A Zissin' Christmas from their rooted CD.
3: The lights on the tree But is there something more For someone like me If you're feeling meh, Not really jolly No ham for you You'd prefer a yolly. Don't let yourself get melancholy boo A spin the dreidel chow mein and kreplach and kong pao canadal too spend christmas in a chinese restaurant it's what you should do closed, all the churches are open, but look at this menu. Quit your moping, dumplings and hoisin. all that you're hoping comes true. And turns, and the snow starts falling. Powder your nose, put on something enthralling, light menorah. Time to paint the town. Christmas.
0: And if Emma's Revolution's Zees and Christmas left you out, the Therapy Sisters say...
3: Have a multicultural, gender-neutral, non-sectarian, unambiguous, ovo-lacto-vegetarian, nature-loving, sweet agrarian, non-polluting, mass-appealing, anti-luting, forwearing all-inclusive celebration.
0: For finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Melanie Keller and David Hunt, produced by Brian DeShazer, and from Pacifica Radio's Mark Miracle, Rose Katopshi, Christopher Martinez, and Dan Fritz. The Dixie Chicks, David Raleigh, Emma's Revolution, and the Therapy Sisters performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed their theme music. This Way Out acknowledges the support of listener donors David Hunt and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at PO Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For Associate Producer of Richard Chappelle, and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening. Online at thiswayout.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on WRFC, Rochester, New York, KXSU, Seattle, Washington, 2MIA, Griffith, New South Wales, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.